0: Thanks, Mark. Uh, It's fun to have you here, uh, because I really, honestly, I'm not sure I would be here if it weren't for you and Tony and a bunch of those guys uh, on the forum. Uh, And uh, uh, when we lived in Cedar Rapids, we started this citywide young adult ministry uh, that we're, you know, reaching young adults from lots of different churches and people who weren't part of a church. And a bunch of those guys, when I finally said, you know, we were going to be planting a church, they're like, it's about time. We all knew uh, that. So eventually God got me here. Well, in November of 2013, uh, Despicable Me 2 hit theaters. It became a hit, much like the first uh, version. Uh, Despicable Me 2 made $970 million at the box office. So, raving hit. However, there was something that came out of the movie that became even more popular. Now, I'm not talking about the Minions. I'm talking about this Song alone if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm the happy drive alone if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm the happy clap alone if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm the happy drive alone if you feel like that's what you want to do. I right, so you were either in a coma, or not born yet if you didn't hear that song. This song was everywhere, and I mean literally everywhere. This song in 2014 became not only the number one song in America, but also in the UK, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, and 19 other countries. This song was everywhere, and i was just out of curiosity, I went on Spotify, turns out this song is on two albums, it's on the Despicable Me uh, 2 uh, soundtrack, but then Pharrell put out his own album and he included it on there as well. Just the version that's on his album has over a billion streams on Spotify. Over on YouTube, the, where I took that little clip from, that video has over a billion views and that's just only one version. There are other versions of the song in video form. In fact, there was this whole movement where nations would play this soundtrack showing their people dancing. Right? So we started playing the song. Some of you started dancing. You couldn't help it. The posts were back there doing a choreography. Right? There's something about this song. Why do you think this song tapped such a nerve? I, some people would argue, well, Aaron, it's just that infectious beat. You, know, like you, just, you just can't help but start moving. Some people say, well, it's just that light, airy, poppy feeling. Or or it's the subject matter, singing about being happy. You know, other people go, Aaron, I just love the clapping. Like, it just makes me so happy. (laughs) I think all those are legitimate reasons. But honestly, I think the reason that this song became such a hit is much, much deeper. You see, I believe that deep down in the human heart, at the very core of our being, is this longing to be happy. And to have someone sing about it with such an infectious beat makes you feel for three minutes and 52 seconds to be happy. This is what we want in life. This is what we long for. And yet, so many of us aren't happy. Uh, The United Nations has this subcommittee that every year they put out the World Happiness Report. It came out just a couple months ago. Uh, It's the 10th anniversary of this report. And using information from Gallup, a number of academic uh, institutions, uh, some other research organizations, they tabulate all of this information. They, they g- contact citizens within these nations, asking them a number of questions to help them determine their life evaluation, determining positive emotions and negative emotions, then also factor in things like the GDP and social factors and all these things. And they put all this together to then rank the nations from happiest to unhappiest. And they take this data over a three-year period. And what they've discovered for the fifth year in a row, the happiest nation in the world is Finland, followed by Denmark and Iceland. Now, maybe that surprises you. It surprised me because I assumed the happiest nations were closer to the equator. At least this is what Iowans seem to do every winter. Like, I just got to get south. I've got to get someplace warm. That's where happiness is found. But no, it's these cold countries. I also thought maybe it would be like a nation that's really, really wealthy. Uh, maybe it was a, a nation that had a lot of entertainment. But, but no, like Finland's not known for putting out a bunch of Netflix uh, uh, shows. Like, and yet they're happy. So you're wondering where is the United States? Because you're noticing it's not in the top 10. Well, we're all the way down at 16th. We're just behind Canada, again, further north, and we're just above the United Kingdom. Now, I'll be honest, this is actually higher than I thought it would be, because in January of this year, Gallup put out some survey research, and the headline for it was, America continues to get more and more unhappy. Their data showed that 30% of Americans are unsatisfied with life overall. Now, you may be at that going, Aaron, only 30%. I mean, 70% are happy. Oh, yeah, kind of. Because it it turns out, uh, Salem, if you'd pop up that next chart. Nope, next one. You'll notice down there, people are unhappy with the size and power of the federal government. They're unhappy with how the government's running. We're unhappy with the distribution of income and wealth. We're unhappy with, uh, uh, we're a little leery of the size and influence of major corporations. But most of all, notice that bottom one. We are unhappy with the moral and ethical climate. It's almost 80%. We are very pessimistic. So yes, some people are—they're happy maybe with their own life overall. But when they look at their nation, nah, it's going to pot. It's fallen apart. It's a mess. We are unhappy. And yet, I believe if you were to ask someone, what do you want most in life? They'd say to be happy. Now, now some people—they're going to tell you, wow, well, you know what I want is to be rich, or, or maybe they're going to say, well, I want to be famous. Uh, I want to, you know, have more influence. But really, what they're saying is, I just want to be happy. So that means the chances are, if you're here today, you want to be happy. Well, I've got good news for you. Today, we're going to the Psalms, and we're going to discover how to be happy. So if you want to be at the top of the World Happiness Report, open your Bible to Psalm chapter 1. Today, as we come to the conclusion of our series in Psalms, we're going back to the beginning. We're going to the very first Psalm. And what we're going to hear is the psalmist, the poet, tell us, here's the way to be happy. And not just a momentary happiness that you get for three minutes and 52 seconds listening to a song, but a true happiness that will last for eternity. So, if you did not bring a Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to put the scripture on the screen. We really want you to be able to read along. We just really encourage you to get a Bible. So, if you have a smartphone, download a Bible to your phone and feel free to use that. We are okay with digital Bibles at Riverwood. If you want to go old school and have a paper Bible like me, you can stop by our resource table on your way out. We've got two different translations back there. They're high-quality Bibles. They will last you for years. We'd love to just give one of those to you. What we want to see is that you'd have a Bible, because we open this thing up every single sunday but we also want you to have something that you can then open on monday and tuesday and wednesday we want you to be in the scriptures our goal at riverwood is to help people live like jesus lived and love like jesus loved but the only way we can really get to know who jesus was and is is by studying the scriptures so we want you to have a bible so get one in your hands then feel free to pull it out here on sundays and let's open it together and study it so psalm one is only six verses so we're going to read the entire thing but before we do let's pray together the Father, uh, we just pause before we come to your holy scriptures. Lord, you wrote these words through uh, some author that we don't know many, many, many years ago. And God, if we're honest, these words will probably be here for long after we are gone. And so, Lord, even though many of us bring in our, our own ideas, our own biases, our opinions, would you help us to not try to filter this through the way we see things, but rather because these words have been around so much longer than us, Help us to see how you are calling us to adapt our lives to fit your truths. So God, would you be our teacher today? Would you go beyond anything that I've tried to prepare? And would you use these things for your glory through us? And Lord, while we're praying, we just pray for Mark. Thank you that not only is he here, but we pray for his safety as he goes to Ukraine, knowing that the city that he's going to was just bombed 12 days ago by Russia. Lord, we pray that you would protect his life But also, would you use him to be a huge encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Ukraine? That when they hear from Mark, they would have a sense that there's a group of people in America that are praying for them, that love them, that are for them, and we want to see the gospel continue to go forth. So even as Russia drops bombs down upon this nation, Lord, would you have your gospel just spread like wildfire? That in these dangerous times, people would find true life. And that's what we want to experience here this morning, God. We want to be happy. Would you help us to see the ways we've been trying to find that happiness and call us away from that and instead to find our happiness in you? We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so join me. Read silently along as I read aloud Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Like most Sundays, um, I'm using what's known as the ESV, the English Standard Version. When the uh, translators started uh, putting together the ESV, they were inspired by what was known as the RSV, the Revised Standard Version. So they kind of tried to keep it in the, the family, if you will, through this like lineage Which means, occasionally, the ESV, even though it's a modern translation, has some Bible-ish type of language. And we see that here in verse 1. They start off with blessed, a very Bible-y, Christian-y word. RSV uses blessed, New American Standard uses blessed, even the best-selling NIV, New International Version, uses the word blessed. So this is not a wrong word. It's, it's, It's a very correct word. However, I think it causes some of us to miss some of its nuance. It turns out that the Hebrew word ashray can be, be translated happy. Now you see why a certain song came to my head for today. It means happy. That's why some translations have happy is the man. However, I also learned that that word ashray, in this context, it's plural. So we're not just talking like, oh, happy is the man for three minutes and 52 seconds, listening to a song. Happy is the man who enjoys a piece of chocolate or ice cream. Happy is the man, you know, it's not this temporary thing. It's like happiness upon happiness, joy upon joy. That's why one translation I saw says, oh, the joys of the man, right? So this is like a real, true, lasting happiness. This is like almost more than you could ever imagine or hope for. This is a true happiness. What we see down in verse 6 is the author tells us there's one way to this happiness. He's going to call that the way of the righteous. But then he warns us that there's another path, a path that actually leads to unhappiness, and he's going to call that the way of the wicked. It's sort of like a a good news, bad news type scenario. All right. So we're going to start with the bad news first, get that out of the way, so then we can get to the good news. So join me in Psalm 1. And let's look at the way of the wicked. Our poet today tells us the way of the wicked in the rest of verse one. He starts off saying that the blessed is this man who doesn't walk on this way, but the way of the wicked is who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. As I've been doing life, I've, I've noticed a pattern. Rarely does someone just go from being a really super nice guy that does a lot of really good things to suddenly just doing an egregious sin, right? Rarely do they just jump straight into the deep end. Usually it goes like this. A man or a woman doesn't just go from being faithful to their spouse one day and suddenly having an affair the next. It's usually a slow slide. It begins with a wandering eye, a wandering mind, you know, a little argument at home, and then that turns into a conversation at work or someone in the neighborhood or someone at your, your kid's event. And, and that conversation leads to a little more and then there's like secret texting going on and soon you start sharing things with this other person more than with your spouse. And pretty soon you're emotionally investing in this other person to the point that you eventually realize that the only way you're gonna be happy is if you're in the arms of this other person. It, it didn't happen overnight. It's this slow slide. But, but this slow slide in, on the way of the wicked, it's not just in relationships. Like, you hear about companies where someone embezzled a bunch of money. They didn't try to embezzle $2 million overnight. It was this slow slide, a little bit here, a little bit there. It got bigger, more, more. It's the same with substance abuse. Same with people who struggle with lying. Like, you start really, really small, but it just continues to get worse. It's not to the jump into the deep end. It's starting in the shallow waters, and you slowly wade and get yourself deeper Until you reach the place where you're drowning. If you noticed in verse 6, he said that the way of the wicked will perish. So Aaron, if the way of the wicked is so dangerous, why does anyone do it? Because it looks like a shortcut to happiness. It looks like the quickest way to get there. Because the embezzler thinks more money will make them happier. The, the consistent liar thinks that building this false reputation will make people more impressed with them, and they'll be happier. If they just have this other person, they will be happier. But what, what he's trying to warn us is it looks like a shortcut to happiness, but it actually leads to death. Everything will be gone. Look down there at verse 4. He says there in verse 4 that the wicked are like chaff that blows away in the wind. All right, it, it, do you know what chaff is? Oftentimes these farmers would bring their, their harvest their wheat and then they would beat the wheat to, to get off all the stuff so they can get down to the grain. What happens is all the leftover stuff, they, it, they need to get rid of it. So what they would do is they'd take these screens and they'd throw their grain up in the air. The grain was heavy enough, it would fall back down, but everything else was kind of dust, and so it would just blow away. He's trying to warn us. If you get caught on the slow slide on the way of the wicked... These things that you're going after, they are chaff. They will blow away. Your marriage will be gone. Your income will be gone. Your health will be gone. Your reputation will be gone. Your very life could be gone. That's the bad news. Thankfully, he tells us, but there's good news. There's a different path. And he calls this other path the way of the righteous. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Before I, before I go that, I realize... Years ago, I I did not notice this slow slide there in verse 1 until I heard a a pastor friend preach through Psalm 1, and he showed me the slide. Once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. So I I want you to see the slow slide. The slow slide starts there with the first thing. Notice the the body position of our man. First, he walks in the counsel of the wicked. Oh, by the way, women, please do not be turned off by the fact that it uses man. This is for you too, okay? This fully applies to you. It's just not us guys that screw up. Um, All right, so they walk in the counsel of the wicked, right? If you're walking, you walk by someone, you you could hear them. They may call out to you, and maybe that influences you a little bit. Subtly changes the way you walk, but it affects you. But but still, you're just kind of walking by. But but then, notice, you start to get a little more comfortable. You go from walking to standing. Now you're standing in the midst of... Of these sinners it's no longer just kind of hearing some of their ideas you're now talking about discussing them even believing them you're becoming more and more comfortable on this slide but then you get so comfortable that you pull up a chair and you sit in the seat of scoffers now you identify with them this is the way you see things And in fact, you begin to scoff at those who say there's another way. You scoff at those who are trying to walk on the way of the righteous. You scoff at it. You even try to call out your advice, hoping that they will get on this because you've become convinced that this is the shortcut to happiness. But again, he warns us, your life could be gone. You could perish. It's not going to do what you think it is. If you've ever been on a boat out in the middle of the ocean and suddenly you run out of water, everything around you looks really, really good. You want to drink it, but the salt in that will continue to dehydrate you and slowly kill you. That's what he's warning you about. To give into the way of the wicked will slowly kill you. It will drag you down to the deep end to where you will drown. And he wants to spare you from that because he knows it ultimately leads to unhappiness. All right, so now, as we started before, now let's move to the good news, the way of the righteous. Our uh, song composer today tells us in his song lyrics what this way looks like. It's verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Notice how the poet has contrasted the way of the wicked with the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked is that slow slide, but now the person on the way of the righteous, they stand firm. And and notice how steady and consistent they are. This tree, which by the way, I just need to point out is next to a stream. It's river wood. I just had to help you see it. But The tree is standing there, being nourished by the waters of this river, of the stream, so that even if a drought comes, the tree is fine. Even if a winter comes, the tree remains. Even if there's heavy winds, the tree stands firm. That no matter what is happening around it, its happiness is not based on those things. Its happiness is based on where it is placed. So how do you become rooted? How do you become like this tree planted by the streams? Well, he told us back in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. There's two things I want to point out from this verse. First, I want you to notice that word delight. Now, don't falsely assume that, oh, to be on the way of the the righteous is to delight. No, the person on the way of the wicked also delights. It's just that they're delighting in chaff. They're delighting in things that will blow away. They're delighting in power and money and sex and fame. All these things they think that are going to make them happy, but they can all be taken away. And it leads them to unhappiness. So in other words, the person that's on the way of the righteous has had a change in what they delight in. They delight in something different. And he says that that this person on the way delights in the law of the Lord. Now, some of you who maybe you know your Bible well, you see that law of the Lord, you may think, oh, this is the Mosaic law. God gave the Jewish people a law through Moses to help them get established as a nation. That's part of this, but that's not the totality. This law of the Lord could also be translated the instruction of the Lord. Basically, anything and everything that God has given you, that's what he wants for you. God desires for you to be happy. He's given you these things. He just has put them in place to protect you, to guide you, to lead you. He wants you happy. But he says, here's how to do it. It's through my instruction. And when you begin to delight in it, that leads to the second thing I want to point out. It leads you to meditate. Notice the second phrase there. uh, And on his law, he meditates day and night. When I was a kid, this sounded so awful, laborious. Like, I have to read the Bible, like, all the time? And yet, have you ever been romantically interested in someone else?" Like you meditate on how to spend time with them, when to communicate, first thing you wake up, you're thinking about them because whatever you delight in, that is what you're going to meditate on. You're going to ponder. You're going to think about this. So if you delight in God, if you delight in his law, you're not going to be able to help it. You're going to meditate on it day and night. Like it's just going to come natural because this is what you treasure. But I also need to point out The word meditate here doesn't just mean to think and ponder, right? The, The people on the way of the wicked, they also meditate on these things. They think and ponder, but they don't just think about, you know, I wonder how I could get millions of dollars. They don't just simply dream. They figure out the shortcut, the way to try to get it. They don't care who they trample upon, but their meditation leads to action. I think it's the same thing here. If you're going to meditate upon the law of the Lord, it should lead to action. It's not just a thinking and pondering, it's an actual doing. One of the ancient church fathers, um, a guy by the name of Hilary of Poitiers. Yes, his name was Hilary. As a guy with a girl's first name, I like this dude. Uh, he wrote this in his commentary on Psalm 1-2. Meditation in the law does not lie in reading its words, but in pious performance. Of its injunctions, not in a mere perusal of the books and writings, but in a practical meditation and exercise in their respective contents, and in a fulfillment of the law by the works we do by night and day, as the apostle says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, do you want to be happy? The psalmist would say, don't get caught up by the lies of the way of the wicked. Don't get caught on that slow slide that's going to lie to you saying, this is where happiness is going to be found. Turn away from the chaff and instead become a tree. Delight in the law of the Lord. Get on the way of the righteous and you will find a happiness that goes so much deeper and lasts so much longer than anything you could have imagined. Now, if we ended the sermon right there, I think many of you would walk out encouraged, Damn that that was great. Let's go. Psalm 1. I love it. And yet I've just set you up for failure. Because it turns out that you and I can't just uphold the law of the Lord. We don't just always delight in it. Some of you, you'd leave here, you'd make it a day. Maybe some of you, you're going to be better than me and you're going to go a week or a month. Maybe you make it a whole year. You're going to say, I'm giving up those substances. I'm giving up that bad relationship. I'm giving up my my secret sin. I'm I'm giving it up. But then there's going to come a day, a moment, where you're so worn out, you're so tired, you're so frustrated, you're back on the slide. Suddenly you're going to be drinking it again, logging back onto that site, talking to that person, engaging in whatever. So just like the psalmist had some bad news and good news for us, we need to take a moment and look at some bad news followed by some good news. So the bad news is, you and I can't do this on our own. And that's exactly what the scriptures say. And in fact, God even says this in the Psalms. Over in Psalm 14, through David, God says to us, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man. So God is in heaven. He's looking down upon us humans to see if there are any who understand. Okay, what is it we're supposed to understand? Who seek after God. Ah, okay. So God is in heaven looking for humans who are searching for him. Because God, the creator of life, who put his image in us, knows how life should be lived. So he wants us to seek after him. Because if we seek after him, we'll be happy. So God's looking from heaven. He looks at us. And what does he find? They have all turned aside. Together, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. Man, aren't you glad you came to church today? Like, okay, maybe Aaron, maybe David was just having a really bad day. All right, or maybe God wrote this, you know, through David, you know, during one of his grumpy seasons. You know, God's gotten kind of grumpy in the Old Testament. But wait till it get to the New Testament. God would not write something like this, right? Uh, unfortunately, no. This teaching is all throughout the Scriptures. These words are repeated again in Psalm 53... Then the Apostle Paul quotes them in the New Testament in Romans chapter 3, and we see this same idea in the sinfulness of man in Galatians 3 and Ephesians 2 and James 2 and Titus 3. I mean, like, it's dripping through all of the Scriptures. It is an uncomfortable doctrinal truth. We are sinful, and so therefore we cannot uphold the law of the Lord. Now, you may want to push back. A lot of people push back against this idea. And I don't blame you for pushing back. There's a part of me that wants to push back. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 7. Here's how he describes his journey of trying to be on the way of the, the righteous versus the way of the wicked. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So in other words, I want to be on the way of the righteous... But I don't do those things. Instead, I do the very things on the way of the wicked, which is where I don't want to be. He goes on. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. So now, hear this. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. When I was younger, reading these words, I thought Paul was a little schizophrenic. And now that I'm older, I realize he's exactly right because it describes exactly how I've lived. But Aaron... Doesn't intention matter? Like, Paul wants to do the right thing. If God is so loving, why would he punish us if we do the wrong thing? Because, like, we intended to do the right thing, and yet it's like he's throwing the book at us. This past week on Twitter, I stumbled onto a story out of Tucson, Arizona. A uh, 30, uh, sorry, a 60-year-old woman uh, was on her way leaving Walmart when suddenly two security guards came up, grabbed her cart, and said, follow us. Took her to a back room, basically like an interrogation type room, where they told her, we are having you arrested for shoplifting. She was stunned. Like, "I, I wasn't shoplifting. She somehow missed scanning one product that was $30. And so they were making her wait for the sheriff to come, who read her her rights. The sheriff said she broke down in tears, so bothered. She'd never been arrested. She had no criminal record at all. And so he had to sit and help her calm down. And this Walmart is throwing the book at her, and she now faces a year in jail. Now, the TV station was sharing her story as part of a bigger story. It turns out that this particular Walmart, between January and April of this year, had 62 people arrested for shoplifting, all at the self-checkout. Makes you kind of not want to use the self-checkout, huh? (laughs) However, the other area Tucson Walmarts, they'd had three people arrested for shoplifting, So the TV station was trying to go for this big conspiracy. So, of course, they believed this woman. And the way they wrote the article, I found myself believing in her as well. Like, leave the sweet 60-year-old lady alone. Like, she's innocent. She'll pay the $30. Why are you spending thousands of dollars to litigate her, to ruin her life, to have her in jail? How could you do this? That's how a lot of people view God. They think, but God, I, I was trying to be good. I wanted to do the good intentions. I don't want to be on the way of the wicked. I don't want to do those things. I want to be on the righteous path. Can't you see that? Why are you throwing the book at me? But where my complaint falls short is that our sin is not against an imperfect Walmart employing imperfect people. Our sin is against an absolutely perfect God. And it isn't that God wants to throw the book at us, wants us to see us go to hell, wants to see us separated from him. It's just that he is so perfect, he cannot allow any imperfection to come into his midst. It's like he's a pure white screen, and he can't even let the simplest little dot come upon it. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter two said, for whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of it all. This is why you and I cannot just make a decision to jump onto the way of the righteous. We can try, we can want to, but we'll fail. But as I said, this is a bad news, good news scenario. Thankfully, the bad news is not the end. There is good news And that good news has a name. His name is Jesus. Throughout this series in the Psalms, we've been seeing how these Psalms are either about Jesus, how they point to Jesus, or they are fulfilled by Jesus. And Psalm 1 is no different. You and I may not be able to fully live out delighting in God's law, meditating on it day and night, doing everything right, but Jesus did. Jesus is the only human to have ever lived who never sinned. When, when the author of this was writing this, Jesus had not come to earth yet. But if he wrote it now, he'd say, God could look, up, uh, look down from heaven, look down upon the people, and he would not find one righteous except Christ. And now, here's where the good news comes. It's called, many theologians call it the great exchange. God He's willing to exchange our sinfulness. He takes us and all of our wickedness and gives us his righteousness. It's like our ticket to get onto the way of the righteous. He shrouds us and covers us in his righteousness so that when God looks from heaven down upon us, he does not see our sin. He sees Christ you are washed in the eyes of god you are forgiven you are wiped clean and now because of jesus you can delight in him you can delight in this gospel and you find yourself getting planted by the stream of the gospel jesus is what waters and nourishes you and so no matter what is happening around you no matter what kind of wind is blowing you stand firm and the things in your life that that are chaff those will be blown away but you remain that is happiness And that is what God wants for you, and it's what I want for you. So please, 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 do not walk out of here. Do not log off just thinking, I'm just going to go do better. I'm just, I I can do this. I don't want to see you fail. I don't want to see those things in your life blown away. I want to see you remain. So instead, delight in Jesus. Come to him. Celebrate what he did for you through a cross and an empty tomb Give your life fully to Him. So, if if you're here today and you've never put your faith into Jesus, I invite you, make today your spiritual birthday. Let today be the day that you say, Jesus, you died on a cross for my sin. You now invite me onto the way of the righteous. I want to follow you. Many people, at that moment, they confess their sin, they admit, I'm on the way of the wicked. And then they put their faith in Jesus and he brings them onto the way of the righteous and he will begin to slowly change you from the inside out, changing what you delight in so that as you delight in him, you will find true happiness. Some of you, you know Jesus and yet you have been walking more on the way of the wicked than on the way of the righteous. This is a great time for you to just enter into confession, to confess that and to continue to give your life to Christ. And those of you that know Jesus, may this just be a moment to celebrate and worship him. So if, if you would, Salem, would you just drop the lights? Let's just take a moment in prayer, and then we'll go into our time of communion. Heavenly Father, right now, we bow before you. Some of us here right now, we are confessing that we've been more attracted to the way of the wicked. We've been wanting that shortcut to happiness. We've been chasing the things of this world, and yet it's like salt water that's making us dry. It's like chaff that's just gonna blow away. So God, we need... <laughs> our eyesight purified. We need to see the things that truly matter. And so right now, God, would you hear the confessions of these people? For those that are putting their faith for you in you for the first time, would you hear their prayer? For the person that is confessing their hidden sin, would you hear their prayer? The, the, the person who's, who's wanting just more of you, would you hear their prayer? So God, right now, hear us as we pray to you. Jesus, we are so grateful for what you did through a cross. You paid the penalty that we should have paid. It was our sin, our wickedness that deserved punishment. But God, you loved us so much. Your image was in us. You did not want us to be dead and to be away from you for eternity. And so you went and did what we couldn't do. You paid our penalty for us. You died our death. You went in our place. And then you exchanged. You took our sin and killed it on a cross. And then you offered us your righteousness. Our ticket to get on the way of the righteous. And so we say thank you. And So Heavenly Father, because of who you are what you've done through Jesus we come to you giving you ourselves giving you all of us empower us through your Holy Spirit to walk in this way to not walk in the counsel of the wicked to not stand in the presence of sinners to not sit in the seat of scoffers but to instead delight in Jesus to delight in his gospel to delight in your instruction Father our world is trying to get us off of this way of the righteous and you're trying to tell us where our happiness will be found would you help us to believe you, to trust you (laughs) because our world is constantly changing the parameters of what happiness looks like that you've written these words way before our current culture was in place, way before any of us breathed our first breath and these words will remain after we have breathed our last. And so God, as we asked in the very beginning, we ask here at the end, would you help us to change our lives to fit what you call us to? And note, by doing so, we would experience great joy as you are glorified in us and through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen.